This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Give the Lord some praise in the house, family. Praise God, praise God. Great to be back with you again tonight. Master C. Apostle Chico and Apostle Francine here with us tonight. We love those people. They're so precious. He was my bodyguard many years ago. Today he's got past churches all over. Isn't it amazing what God can do? When you're hungry for God, huh? Yeah. Now, family, Pastor Bev is in Cape Town ministering for Dr. Alan Bang this weekend, and she also the ladies' conference there. But she sends her love. She wants you to know how much she loves you. Can't wait to see you. So I've done that now. If she asks you, you know I did it, all right? Because otherwise I'll be in trouble. And then also San Antonio CFC sends their love. And uh, so hopefully you feel the love. Amen? <laughs> All right, so how many of you were here at one of the two morning services you were here? Put your hands up and wave at me. All right, so how many of you couldn't make it this morning? Could you put your hands up? I know there are a lot more that don't want to put their hands up, but don't be shy. Don't be shy. I'm not going to eat you or bite you. I just want to see who's back sitting. <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So I'm going to ask those that were here, do you think they should watch online? Okay. Now, this is a very, very important message from the Lord, the Sunday morning message. Very, very important. I can't stress it enough. And if you haven't seen it, you need to watch it from the beginning. Part one, two, three, four, five. Today we did part five. On supernatural, the power of supernatural intercession. You can't put a value on this. It's life saving, rescuing, not only your life, your family's life, but unsaved people, the nation. There's just no limits to what God can do through this particular tool or weapon that he's given us intercessory praying and uh, without it you're going to be helpless in the days ahead but with it we can change the world we can and I believe the church will rise up and intercede and bring in a great revival in these days amen I believe that. So, don't miss the final part next weekend. Whatever happens, whatever you've got arranged for next Sunday morning, cancel it and come. Even if you have to not go to work, just come. It's easier to get asked for forgiveness than ask for permission I think sometimes just come come with your rickshaws come with your parachutes if you have to fly down run in if you have to run walk if you have to walk ride hitchhike catch a bus catch a train catch an airplane whatever you need to do get to church next week please we're going to deal with the final part in this series that's very, very important to you, to your family, and to our nation. Amen? All right. I didn't see our dear brother, Kat, right. Sorry, Pastor Kat, and your beautiful wife, Pastor Linda. Right, right. How are you, dear brother? Do you forgive me? I didn't even see you there somehow. Anyway, we love you too with all our hearts. Is there anybody else here? Does Pastor Judah and Lee? 
prophet Petrus. I saw him there. I should have welcomed him. Can't miss him with his red shirt. All right, so I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, right? Good. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you as I come to teach tonight that you will anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you now for a supernatural recall of the scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to each and every person's mind under the sound of my voice, bringing understanding, removing confusion. And that your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear. Father, we thank you for all of that. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all those who love the Lord said, Amen. you may be seated, family. Open your Bible to Psalm 105, please. Open your Bible to Psalm 105. And I'm reading from verse 37 out of the New King James translation. God also brought them, the children of Israel, out of Egypt with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, after being slaves for over 400 years, God gave them gold and silver and jewelry. In fact, all the wealth of the Egyptians. The Egyptians freely gave it to the Israelites as they left. The Bible says they plundered them, which means like locusts coming through. They had nothing left. They were paid for the 400 years of labor that they had put in to building all those pyramids. The Bible says there was none feeble or weak among his tribes. Now the word feeble here is the Hebrew word koshel. It also means in English, weak, in English, weakness of legs, weakness of ankles, to falter, to stumble, to faint, and to fall. It's talking about being sick. So God said there was no sickness among the tribes. Three million people came out of Egypt, wealthy, and healthy, according to the Bible. It's not the only scripture that confirms that. In other words, God must have healed all of them and strengthened all of them physically as they got the gold and silver at the same time. Why? Because the night before they left, that morning, the night before, they ate the Passover lamb for the very first time in Egypt. A lamb roasted in fire, which is a type and a shadow of Jesus dying on the cross and going to the fires of hell after he left the cross for three days. And when they ate that lamb, and that lamb was in them, it's a type of the born-again experience when we accept Christ, the lamb, into our hearts. So based on the shadow or the type of Jesus, the example of Jesus, they all got healed and prospered. God had to do that for them because they ate the lamb, the example of Jesus. So how much more can we not expect to prosper and be in health if we have the real lamb in us, they only had the shadow, the example, the type. And God had to do that. If he didn't do it, then that Passover lamb would not be a true example of the real Christ. Now go to Matthew 8, verse 16. Over in the New Testament. 
It says, when evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Christ himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now this does not say Jesus is going to take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. It says he took them. This is a completed historical fact. Salvation is paid for and health is paid for 2,000 years ago. The sinner has to accept their forgiveness and salvation, which is already given and paid for in order to be saved. And the sick person has to accept their healing and health as a gift already paid for 2,000 years ago. We shouldn't be begging God to do something for us. We should be thanking God for what He's done for us and accepting it. If God was willing to heal 3 million people coming out of Egypt because of the example of the lamb in them, <clears throat> then we definitely can expect our healing and health after we have accepted the Christ from Calvary. Now, Peter the Apostle also places our forgiveness and our healing in the past tense. Peter writes his letter in 1 Peter 2.24, and he says, Jesus Christ himself bore our sicknesses in, in his own body on the tree. Sorry, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we having died to sins might look for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. He bore our sins. He took them and suffered with them. He was punished with our sins as if he were the sinner. And he took our sicknesses and was sick with our sickness by those stripes he received. So notice Peter says, were healed. By whose stripes you were healed. He writes the church and he says, I want you all to know you are healed. You were healed. He wrote that while he was alive on the earth, right? To the Christians alive then, which obviously if it applies to them, it applies to us. We were healed. So this, I were healed. Therefore, I is healed. Amen. So much we learn in church. So there are a number of different ways we can receive our healing. Number one, we can pray, get prayed for by somebody. We can get prayed for by somebody. You can write that down. Number two, we can pray for ourselves. Number three, by just agreeing and confessing it is done, that we are healed, we can claim our health that way. Just by confessing it's done. And we have it, right? It is completely scriptural to ask somebody to pray for you. However, our Heavenly Father prefers that all of God's children learn how to walk in victory over sickness by their own faith. By their own faith. Now, how do we receive with our own faith? How do we receive the health and healing that has already been purchased for us 2,000 years ago? I'll go to John 20, verse 24. John chapter 20, verse 24. So I want to encourage you to look in your own Bibles. It'll help you a lot. You grow much faster that way. You'll understand it better. All right, here we go. John 20, 24. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with the other disciples when Jesus appeared to them after his death. The other disciples therefore said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in the, his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails 
and put my hand into his side where the spear went in, I will not believe. Unless I see it, feel it, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them this time. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So that blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now we have many Christians like Thomas in our churches today. They only believe what they can feel or what they can see or what they can hear. This is not the kind of faith that pleases God. It's not the kind of faith that gets prayers answered. The Lord Jesus was not pleased with this Thomas kind of faith, where he said, unless I feel, unless I see, I will not believe. Jesus was not pleased with that kind of faith. The kind of faith that pleased God is the kind that believes what God says in his word, even if they don't see or feel or hear. There's no other evidence except the word. God is pleased by that faith when they believe that. All unsaved people have natural human faith. That is, that they believe only what they see. That's why the unbelievers, the unsaved, will say, Seeing is believing. We don't want to talk like that. Because the kind of faith that sees to believe doesn't get prayers answered. In fact, it hinders our faith from working. The faith that gets prayers answered is the faith that believes what God says even though the five senses may be telling us exactly the opposite. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 in your New Testament. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So when you can't see it, you have evidence that you've got it, even though you can't see it. And the evidence that you've got it is your faith. Your faith is the evidence of the thing you can't see till it comes to you and you can't see it. Until then, faith is evidence of things not seen. In other words, 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed, is the evidence that we are healed while the body is still in pain. Say that, by Jesus' stripes I was healed, is the evidence that I am healed, even though I have pain in my body. You see, the pain in the body is real, but the scripture is a higher truth. Your body can change. The word of God cannot change. And when you put the two together and they clash, the body is going to give up. The word will always prevail. Amen. Therefore, faith is the evidence of things we can't see. 
Therefore, seeing is not believing. The truth is, believing results in seeing. Said that believing results in seeing. Now look at the first part of that verse. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now hope is like a dream. We desire something which is in the dream realm. Faith can reach into the hope or dream realm, bring it into the physical realm. So that faith can reach out into the hope and dream realm, lay a hold of that, and bring it into the physical realm. That's why faith is the substance of the thing hoped for. The word substance is a verb. It's a verb, a doing word. Therefore, another way to say this would be, in the Greek, it's a doing word, it's a verb. All right. The way to say this then would, could be, faith is giving substance to the thing I hope for. So that my faith is giving substance to the thing I hope for. So this pulpit has substance. You can feel it and touch it and see it. The thing you hope and dream for has no substance. It's in that realm. But your faith is giving that thing substance and bringing it to the dimension where you can feel it and see it. See, that's what it says. Faith is giving substance to the thing you hope for. Our faith gives substance to our hopes, to our dreams. So we can enjoy them in the physical realm. Now, how do we use our faith? Go to Mark 11, please, verse 12. How do we use our faith? Mark 11, verse 12. Okay? New King James translation. Now, the next day, when they had come out of, from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Now, Bethany is three kilometers from Jerusalem. Over the Mount of Olives, on the north side, on the west side. Now it seems like, sorry, it's east. East, beg your pardon. All right, so verse 13 says, And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on the fig tree. When he came to the fig tree, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now, usually those trees had figs when they had leaves. So this was an unproductive tree. 14. In response, Jesus said to the fig tree, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. He didn't think it. He said it. They heard it. Now, in the morning as they passed by, this is the second day now, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So he didn't swear at the tree. He didn't call it bad names. He just said, no one's going to eat any fruit from you again. And the Bible calls that a curse. Say this, when I speak negatively in any situation... I'm putting a curse on it. If you speak negatively about your finances, you know, we just don't have the money. You're putting a curse on your money. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> the angels say, oh, oh, I wish you didn't say that. Just about to bring the money. Now I have to take it back. <laughs> All right. Twenty. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree right from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree we should curse is withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Now in your margin of your Bible, 
It might say, have the faith of God, which is the correct Greek translation of that statement. It says, have faith in God, but it, sh but it should really read, have the faith of God. So Jesus is saying, you saw me use God's faith. I want you to have the same kind of God faith. I want you to speak to situations so they can change. 23, for because, for assuredly I say to you, disciples, whoever says to this mountain, the Mount of Olives that I'm standing on, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. So Jesus said, any one of us could say to the Mount of Olives, be cast into the sea, and if we don't doubt, it'll happen. Did God lie about that? Or is that true? So if we say it and believe it, it'll come to pass, right? I'm so glad we don't have the faith to move the mountain because somebody might be sitting on it, but <laughs> that wouldn't be nice flooding through the air to this ocean. But, um, so, but the fact remains that Jesus said, if you have the faith and you say it, it will happen. Whatever. Say whatever. whatever. I say. Will happen if I have the faith in my heart. So Joshua did something like that, did he not? He spoke to the sun and told the sun to stand still and the moon, and it stopped for about 23 hours in the sky. Imagine that. The planet Earth is turning, not the sun. The sun is going around. The sun is standing still. The Earth is moving in an orbit and is spinning at the same time, and the moon is turning around the sun. And both of them stopped instantly. Joshua spoke to it. And he didn't ask God for permission. He didn't even warn God. God didn't have time to get ready for this. <laughs> I can just imagine he turns to, to the Lord and says, the Father God turns to the Lord and the Holy Ghost says, Hey guys, look at this. Come on now, get ready. <laughs> he didn't have any time for that. He just said, light, stand still, sun stop in the sky, moon stop of Agilon and it stopped. Right? Now what happens is the, the earth stopped turning and no one moved. They didn't even know about it. All those soldiers fighting there in Joshua's army, they had no idea that they stopped. Now what speed were they turning at? What speed are they traveling at? What, what speed does this earth turn at? What is it? No, I want, I, want the exact, I want the exact speed. How much is it? Over a thousand kilometers an hour, the earth is turning, right? Okay. So imagine hitting a wall at a thousand kilometers an hour. Not much left of you. Not much left. The question is, when a bug hits your windscreen at a hundred miles an hour, what's the last thing that goes through its mind? And the last thing that goes through its mind is its rear end. So, <laughs> so, you know, Joshua did not have the bug experience. No one did. They didn't even know it stopped, right? So how did God manage that? The birds didn't even know they kept flying, animals kept grazing, but the earth stopped. Then when it started again, no one fell over. God is so amazing, family. Say, I have whatever I say if I believe in my words. So it's very important to believe in our words. Not just when you're trying to say something in faith, but to believe in your words all the time. To know that you're not going to lie or exaggerate, you're going to tell the truth. And to, become, to get to a place where you believe in your words, when you do that, then you're going to be exercising strong faith all the time. Are you tracking me?
All right. So Jesus said, you have what you say. If you believe in the heart, don't doubt in your heart. You can doubt in your head, but not your heart. The devil will tell you it's not going to happen. In your, doubt, in your head, you're going to doubt it. But your heart can be in faith. It'll still come to pass. So how do you know you're not doubting in the heart? Because of your words. The Bible said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you listen to your words, and you'll know what you're believing. Your head might tell you, this is never going to happen. But you say, praise God, I believe I have it. So you are in faith then, no matter what the devil puts into your head. You got it? That's how you know. Now we know that the Lord Jesus was saying we must use our faith the same way he used his faith when he spoke to the fig tree. He also said we can speak that way to the mountain and it will obey us. Notice the words Jesus spoke. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. That's all he said. Nothing too spiritual about that. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Nothing spiritual about that. Just a statement. And Jesus said, any man that says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it'll come to pass. So he believes it. Nothing spiritual about that. Mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Nothing spooky spiritual about that. Now the Lord's confession of the fig tree, nor let any man eat from this tree again and be removed. None of that is spiritual. Therefore it is true. We can have anything we say if we believe it when we say it. Say it again. If I believe what I say, I can have what I say. Now in Luke 17, 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have just a small amount of faith. Now, one time when we went to Israel, they showed us some mustard seeds. They're like the size of a pinhead. And they showed us a mustard tree, which is big. It was big, I would say, from here to that roof there, or at least the two of those lights off back there. A whole bunch of mustard seed trees. And he took some seed and showed it to us, this, this um, tour guide. And it's hard to believe that that tiny seed can produce such a huge tree, right? But, so Jesus is giving us this illustration here. You just need a tiny amount of faith if you'll believe in your heart. You can say to this tree, be plucked up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it would obey you, right? He didn't say the tree will obey God. He said, the tree will obey you. You got it? Say this. My faith will work for me whether I speak positively or negatively. I'm going to have it if I believe it. And this is what folks do. They'll speak negatively about themselves or their marriage or their kids or their finances, and they believe it, and they put curses on themselves, and it comes to pass. And then when it comes to pass, they think they're a prophet. Meantime, they made it happen. They're not a prophet at all. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and obey you. So once again, we see faith is released through words, Right? So that faith is released through words. God told the children of Israel to go into the promised land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, and claim their inheritance. Now everybody except Joshua and Caleb said there are giants in the land and said they could not go in. And God said in reply, Numbers 14, 28, this is very powerful. God said, Joshua, tell them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. What you said in my presence 
is what you get. It's the same, same thing Jesus said. In other words, Joshua and Caleb said, we can go in and conquer the land. And they went in and they conquered the land 40 years later. But the 3 million people who said, we can't go in, there's giants in the land, we're going to die in the desert, they died in the desert. They died. They did not go in. So once again we see the words used were very simple. They never appeared to be extremely spiritual at all. God brings them to pass because they believe the words they say. Just like Abraham confessing, I am the father of many nations before Isaac was born. And after saying it for a period of time, Isaac was born and he became the father of many nations. Now let's look at these statements again. Number one on the screen from Mark eleven fourteen: Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. The first one. Number two, Mark eleven twenty three: Be removed and cast into the sea. Look at that. Number three from Luke 17, 6. Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea. And then number, numbers 14, we, we can't go into Canaan for there are giants in the land. And then from Numbers 14 again, we can go in to Canaan for God has given it to us. There was Joshua and Caleb. We can go in. And then Genesis 17, 5, Abraham said, I am the father of nations. So in those statements... If these statements if these statements release the creative power of God to bring that to pass, then surely we can confess with our mouths, my body as well. Surely I can say my body as well. When I'm not well, would it be wrong to do that? No. You see, I can say I believe my body is well, and no one can, change, can tell me I'm not allowed to believe that. I can believe the moon is made of green cheese if I want to. No one can put me in jail for believing the moon is made from green cheese. It's not against the law. Right? And if I want to believe that my body is well when it's not well, no one can put me in jail for that. It's not against the law. God says, I can say what I, whatever I want. If I believe it will happen. If I confess, I believe my body is well, even though I've got pain in my body, my body is going to change. My body is going to line up with the words of faith that I speak. This is making sense now. Amen. And we can say it because 2,000 years ago, Jesus purchased it for us on the cross. We agree that God's word is true. We mentally assent to the fact that God's word is true. But when we meditate on the word, it's going to come into our heart, and the heart will believe it. That's why people say to me, Dr. Thea, I said I believe my body's well, and nothing happened. It doesn't, it doesn't work. The reason is because they didn't believe it. Jesus said you must believe in your heart when you speak the mountain and it will go. So you can say mountain go and not believe it, the mountain's not going anyway. You can say I believe my body is healed and well and it's not going to change unless we believe what we say. That's the reason. Right? However, if we'll keep working on our faith by meditating in the Word of God and then saying the Word of God, it will happen. 
faith will come and we'll speak it and say it. We'll say it and believe it and it'll happen. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Amen. So whatever it is that you want in your heart, whatever faith you want in your heart, find a scripture that promises that and meditate on that. Read it out loud, mutter it, think it, say it, think about it, say it. And if you keep saying that word and meditating on that word, faith will rise in your heart and it will come to pass. It will come to pass when you say it. So therefore we say my body is completely well long enough and based on the scripture, what we're saying, it's going to happen. Now if we keep looking at God's word, we'll see we have been healed 2,000 years ago. 1 Peter 22, 24, past tense, you were healed by his stripes. Matthew 8, 16, 17, past tense, you were healed. Isaiah 53, before Christ was crucified, hundreds of years when Isaiah lived before Christ came, he said, or the Bible said, that Christ bore our sicknesses, carried our pains, and by stripes, we are healed. So before Christ died on the cross, Isaiah said by his stripes, we are healed. Tense, present tense. Present tense. You see, the reason for that is because Christ died on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin, not for hours after Calvary only, but for all those from the time of Adam. So when Christ died, he was punished and for, brought forgiveness to every person from Adam to the last person that will ever be born on this planet. Past, present, future tense. He forgave everybody their sin on the cross. He's not coming back to do that again. And if you need forgiveness, your forgiveness is in the bank of forgiveness. It's in the bank of forgiveness right now. All forgiveness is paid for. You just go to the bank and make a withdrawal when you need it. Say, Father, confess this sin. I come for a forgiveness withdrawal. Because you have forgiven me, and I thank you, and I receive it. Amen? The same with healing. God purchased healing at the same time on the cross. By the stripes you were healed. So, when Jesus died on the cross, all those from Adam were healed. From Adam were healed up to the cross and way off the cross in our day. So all humanity was healed when Jesus died on the cross. So Jesus was, when he walked the earth in his earthly body, ministering, praying for the sick, preaching. He hadn't died on the cross yet, but he healed everybody. He had to. He had to heal everybody because he paid for it on the cross, and it was theirs. It belonged to them, even though he hadn't done it yet, because it's a guaranteed fact he's going to do it. And because it's a guaranteed fact, he's going to do it. He had to heal everybody because he's going to bow on the cross in a few days' time. He couldn't turn anybody away because on the cross, he's buying health and healing for everybody. You got it? So that's why it's ours today just as much as it was for them. And if you were in that line when Jesus came by, he healed you. Because he paid for it on the cross. And the same with us today. He is here. 
Jesus is here. Where two or three are gathered together, my name, there I am in the midst of them. But you see those three scriptures I gave you. Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, and 1 Peter 2, 24. It's either pre present tense or past tense. You, you've been healed already. So we are not to ask God to heal us, really. We're not to ask God to give us something He's really given us. That's not really good faith. We don't ask God to give us something He has already given us. We are to say, according to the Scripture, I am healed, and I have been healed for 2,000 years. Therefore, I am the healed resisting sickness. I am the healed resisting cancer. I am, even if you've got cancer in your body, I am the healed resisting arthritis, if you've got arthritis in your body. I am the healed resisting migraine headaches, if you've got them in your head. I am the healed resisting Whatever it is, I am the healed, resisting that. I will not allow it into this body, because this body is the body of Christ. I am bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, one spirit with the Lord. And Christ's body cannot be sick. You are the body, he is the head of one man. He is the head, you the body, one man. Christ the head, we the body, one man. The church is one man. There's no Greek, no Jew, no male, no female. You're all one person in Christ. That's why there's no such thing as, as um, racism in Christianity. How can you be a racist against yourself, if there's only one of you. Are you tracking me, church? You can't be, you can't have your head straight on your head if you think, if you think like that, because you are one man in Christ. There's no woman, no Greek, no Jew, According to Scripture, the Bible said that. There's no male, no female, no Jew, no Greek. You're one man in Christ. You are the body. He is the head. One person. That's Christianity, by the way. That's why you are seated at the right hand of God in Christ right now, because you're one man. So then... Was Christ sick when he walked the earth? No. Everything he touched got healed. So Christ today is you. <laughs> you and Christ are one person. Right? One person. So how can Christ's body be sick? How would Christ expect that he could use a healthy body when he walked the earth, but we can't today? to do his work. That's not right. Amen. This is making sense. Say this again. I am the healed, resisting sickness. I am the healthy, according to the word of God, and I resist cancer. I resist arthritis. I resist disease. I resist infection. I don't allow it in this body. So even if it's in your body, you say, I don't allow it into my body. I'm staying well. So even if it's in your body, you're saying, I am well, I'm staying well, I resist it. Now that's all faith. And the more you meditate on those scriptures, the greater your faith will grow in your heart and you gain to get to a place where you believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth, bang, and there it is. There it is. You wake up one morning, you think, what happened? That's how it works. Has this helped you? All right, praise God. So now, we are going to minister to people this evening.
And, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking what the Lord wants to do here. So, okay, so we're going to take this pulpit out the way. We're going to watch two videos, and then we're going to minister to people. Is that okay? All right, we're going to trust God for whatever it is, finances, health, whatever. Praise God. Every head bowed, please, every eye closed. Every head, head bowed, please, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Thea, tonight, I need Jesus in my life. I need to be sure I'm going to heaven one day. Can you help me, please? Yes, I can. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to be born again, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you, please, to slip your hand up and I count to three. Are you ready? One, two, three. Praise God. I'm going to pray this prayer. I want everybody, please, to say the prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I receive my salvation. Praise God. I'm bound for heaven. God is my Father, and I'm God's child. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.